Friday afternoon in town, a good Friday after all. Hi, hello, howdy. Michael Benner with Intervision till 2 o'clock this afternoon. You and I together are listening to KPFK in Los Angeles. 90.7 FM all over Southern California. Out of Santa Barbara County, we're heard at 98.7 FM and of course streaming for the whole planet at kpfk.org. Nice to be with you on this Easter weekend and, uh, Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for sticking around, and uh, hope you can stay with us this hour. I've got a great show for you today. I'm going to get right to it. I don't have any uh, announcements for you or anything other than that uh, I hope that uh, you enjoy yourself on this holiday weekend, whatever your religion or your philosophy. It is springtime, and so uh, if uh, Easter is your thing, and uh, then this is very... Uh, Holy Weekend, Good Friday and Easter, but of course we have the spring equinox and uh, uh, just the fact that every day is a beautiful day. So hope you enjoy your weekend. And again, thanks for being with us here on Intervision on KPFK. My guest has been with us before, but it's been too long, a couple of years, would you yeah, say, Dennis? A couple, couple of years, years at least. And it's great to have him back. Uh, he is the author of a book called The Art of Being, which had just come out when we, uh, when we had him on a few years ago. This is 101 Ways to Practice Purpose in Your Life. And yes, your life not only has meaning, it has purpose. And you can figure out what it is and practice it and learn to be a being. So many of us think we're human doings that to practice the art of being is a pretty smart thing. Dennis Merritt-Jones. Good afternoon, Dennis, hey, and welcome back to KPFK. It's great to be back with you again. Thanks for having me. I've asked you to come in, as you know, but now I'll let our guests in on it, to talk about what's right and what's wrong with this incredibly popular DVD and book called The Secret. And uh, I brought you in because you're one of the most knowledgeable. I'm going to throw all the bouquets oh, at you at the top here. <laughs> One of the most reasonable and, I think, best-educated uh, individuals I've ever met in the field of mind science. Oh, well, and I've met well, a lot. I've met a I'm lot. I'm honored that you'd say that. Thank you. You are dedicated to understanding, it seems to me, in all ways, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and, of course, living physically, walking the walk, walking mm. the talk. Um, the 
mind science of Dr. Ernest Holmes, and the whole New Thought movement. Um, when we talk about the so-called secret, we can go back to the beginning of time, Correct. to ancient Tibet, certainly to the Egyptians and Hermes, Mercurius, Trismegistus, and we will do that. But if you don't mind, I'd like to start by talking about what the secret comes out of, just in terms of the American New Thought movement of the 19th century. Phineas Park Quimby and right. Mary, uh, help me with these names. It's Mary Curtis Baker, Eddie, Hopkins. Uh, Emma's and, Curtis Hopkins, yeah. This transcendentalist movement really is, is where... Uh, so thought, even Emerson uh, and Thoreau right. were oh, part yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what happened in this country in the early 1800s that awakened us metaphysically i think that uh, the the people in the tra- the uh, the the that early movement uh began to uh westernize eastern ideas bringing ideas that were ancient in in uh in their truth to the western world and ernest holmes among them was able to find a way to to uh, incorporate, I mean, he studied you know, Vedanta and the, the ancient uh, Hindu teachings, and clearly, if you look in the his writings of science in my textbook, you'll find uh, ancient wisdom there that is being talked about in this movie, The Secret, uh, as if it's some new discovery. And of course, it's not. There's no there's no secret. It's been around since, as you said, the you know, Her- Hermes right. and the Kabbalion. The so-called law of attraction. Right. But uh, there was something remarkable that came out of uh, Quimby's writings and Judge Thomas Troward and uh, Ernest Holmes was a student. Um, I think the Fillmores in Unity Church came to some extent out of this uh, rediscovery of, of... I mean, the idea that, that Christ was a metaphysician. Absolutely. That Christ was, and here we are again, Good Friday and uh, an Easter weekend, so... Maybe a very appropriate time to talk about um, the Christ as, dare I say, an occult master. That word has been trashed, of course, mm. as if there's something negative or right. harmful. It or simply sinful. means hidden teachings. Occult is yeah. hidden. Yeah. And we're back to the secret. Right. So why have the metaphysics of the Christ, these things I do, you can do, and more, and yet not too many churches are encouraging mm. us to emulate Christ? Right. Greater things than this you shall do. You said something on your website the other day about we are not to follow Christ so much as emulate him. Right. We, we look to him, uh, to, to the teacher Jesus as the great example, not the great exception. Ah, that's the way you and, said it. And it's, it's, as Ernest Holmes says, it's not about, we do not d- deny the divinity of Jesus, but we lift humankind into that same divinity. So in many ways, religious science... And the Science of Mind book by Dr. Holmes came out in the early 1930s. Yeah, yeah. Or late 20s. 26. Yeah. 26, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the same year Manley Hall's big book came out. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's definitely a connection. And Robert Collier's The Secret of Ages yeah. and The Secret Teachings of All Ages. Robert Collier, Manley Hall, and Ernest Holmes. Uh, I'll have to look at the chart for that year to see what was going on. But, uh, again, the idea that... Um, the metaphysical aspect, or the cosmic Christ, is rediscovered at this point right. and celebrated now. And yet, it's bigger than all of that. 
the law of attraction is the secret, or these hidden precepts, are they not found esoterically, or hidden, veiled, if you will, really in all religious traditions? Sure, sure absolutely. You know, I, I, there's a, a statement that, that Buddha is credited with that I think really says the same thing. Buddha says, and this is right out of the Dhammapada, our life is shaped by our mind. We become what we think. Suffering follows an evil thought, which means a negative thought, of course, as the wheels of a cart follow the oxen that draw it. Joy follows a pure thought, like a shadow that never leaves. Now, if, if that isn't a statement of the law of attraction, what is? You know, And that's you know, 2,500 years ago. So, as a fellow who has dedicated virtually your whole adult life to understanding metaphysics and mysticism, particularly in a Christian tradition. Uh, what were your first impressions when you saw the video, The Secret? Well, uh, my first impressions were, oh boy, this is, it appears to be this is all about getting stuff, you know. And then I, I sat back and thankfully, uh, my brother, Michael Beckworth, you know Michael Beckworth too. Sure, was, from was, Agape. Yeah, what, what a brilliant. Your spiritual uh, brother. Yeah, yeah. Your brother from another mother. <laughs> right. Well, you know, he wrote the foreword for my book. Uh, and, and. And is I, in the secret. Yeah, oh He's yeah. Oh it. yeah, one of the, and I'm thankful that he was in it because he kept, uh, trying to bring back spiritual ideas uh, undergirding the, the whole concept, especially in Oprah, the second interview. He really tried to bring bring it back to a spiritual foundation. Um, irrespective of how you approach it, there is a spiritual undergirding to the law of attraction because that's how the universe works, and the universe is infinite intelligence being. Well... There's also these references to being in the image and likeness of the creator. Doesn't that make us co-creators? Sure, sure. And I think this is a entry point to my first concern, because even if we have a background in these precepts and bring that to a viewing of the secret or the reading of the book, it's now been on Oprah. It's now been on Larry King. It's You've been Oprahized. It's been Oprahized yeah. and and <laughs> bumper stickerized. Yes. And I guess my first concern that I'd like you to help us sort through is this idea that we're all operating in isolation. That the law of attraction is so mm, personal that there's no influence from other people, that we somehow are not in an ocean of people who are sure. all attracted. The, the collective unconscious is is equally, you know, part of, of our, how we identify ourselves. And, and we are, you know, Ernest Holmes talks about we are microcosms within the macrocosm. And that which is true of the whole is true of the individual as well. Right out of Hermes, as right. above, so below. Exactly. exactly. Ancient, truly ancient you know, times. You know, Hermes was a contemporary of Abraham. This goes back 3,000 years. It's not nothing new about it. Yeah. And and so I think that uh, that the, the movie itself, the documentary, uh, the, I've watched it probably half a dozen times. And and we each actually featured a couple screenings of it at the One Spirit Center in Simi Valley, followed by a class that I presented to kind of highlight the ideas and to take it deeper than what the movie, the, the first pass of the movie presented. 
It's smart marketing. You know, I believe, and I think that the, the people who put the secret together really understood this. You have to meet people where they are, where they are in their lives. And a lot of people really think that they need stuff, you know. And so the, 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 I call it entry level metaphysics. You know, it's about, well, change your thinking and you can create stuff. And that's true. And yet, we understand. If you watch the movie, the, the, the second half of the, the movie, they go deeper into quantum physics and, and the unified field of, of, of mind and the fact that everything is connected and that energy moves and it moves through us as us by means of our thoughts and beliefs. Well, so we're on a couple of things. I want to talk about this emphasis on stuff, material yeah. stuff, money, success, which is all good, by the way. There's nothing yeah, wrong with I'm it. I'm okay with that. I like stuff. Oh, but I just know that that's not the end of it. No. That stuff doesn't last. It's all in decay, material yep. stuff. Yep. And that the satisfaction we get from acquiring and possessing stuff is always in decay. Well, you know, Buddha was real wise on that, too. He, sa- he said, you know, he talked to the third uh, uh uh, of the four uh, principles he taught was was the law of impermanence. You know, everything that has a beginning has an end, and if you're attached to what has a beginning, you're going to suffer. And the law of impermanence is all about what you're attached to. Right. Causes the suffering. four noble truths, right. four noble desire, truths. and all of that. Uh, so a lot of us want something that lasts. Yes. And that is the love, the magnetic part, of the law of attraction. Yes. It's basically heart-based, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that, that uh, when we get past the entry-level stuff, which is about realizing that our thoughts can create uh, an experience for us, we go, we go to the core of it and we realize that, that we are part of something much larger than just our thoughts, that we are part of a unified field of intelligence that manifests in us, through us, and as us at every level, not just stuff. You know, I mean, that's why we're here is to be the living vessel through which the infinite experiences itself. But we're not an island. We are not no. separate. That's the illusion. We're, that's the so Lila. We're not operating this law of attraction, consciously or unconsciously, in a vacuum, in isolation. It's not a simple cause and effect situation, aren't we? Again, all co-creators to varying degrees. Sure. I, there's a collective consciousness for cultures. There's a collective consciousness for religions. There's a collective consciousness for countries. There's a collective consciousness for for groups and individuals. I mean, uh, religions have a collective consciousness and draw to them a, as a whole the, the predominant uh, beliefs being held within that collective consciousness. So can't we be at cross-purposes with other people in our lives who are, let's say uh, there's a couple, uh, um, a man and a woman that are married, and he really wants one thing for their relationship, <laughs> maybe to move to one part of the country and have a certain kind of lifestyle, and she wants something very different. And they're both using the law of attraction to the best of their ability to manifest very different outcomes. Does it cancel out? Does it uh, uh, impede or aid? Or I mean, how does that work out? In the how does it wash out in the whole of things? Well, they might begin by seeing a therapist <laughs> to <laughs> help, the to help negotiate it. Yeah. Well, you know, part of I think part of the law of attraction is, is at least in partnership with 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 other people is to to come to a common 
place where you you want the same things, you know, the same experiences, not just things, but qualities of life that you want to experience together. Um, I don't think that uh, uh, when you have people, and I certainly have seen it enough, even in my own work, in my counseling and coaching, that that couples definitely sometimes have different ideas about what they want. So sometimes it's about negotiation and, and finding a middle path between the two, compromising, supporting each other. Um, it's not a, it's not always an easy thing when people are coming from two d- diverse uh, places wanting to experience two different things at the same time. What about desiring a relationship with someone? Mm-hmm. What if I use the law of attraction to get next to an attractive young woman that I'm interested in? I mean, can it violate free will? Does this dishonor her uh Am I playing fair? I mean, how does well, that work? Well, you, you can't attract somebody into your life that they, they're not participating at some level, at, at, at the level of consciousness. Well, that begs a question about just how conscious are we. Does the law of attraction, is it limited only to our conscious thoughts? Well, of course not. That's, that's the problem is that we've been using the law of attraction from the day we were born. Unfortunately, most of us have been using it uh, out of ignorance, meaning that we weren't aware that that our deepest held beliefs and thoughts tend to draw to us an experience that manifests uh, as that thought or belief. So this is karma. Yeah, you could call it that. The law so of attraction, was, the secret is karma. Ca- cause and effect, sure. Cause and effect, we call it in the West. Sure. But um, I guess where a lot of people get stuck on this is that they're willing to go as far as understanding that attitude and belief that what we think and feel affects our health, our physical body, mm-hmm. our behavior in other ways, we can clearly sabotage, for example, that first date or that important job interview if we don't feel worthy. Right. Um, or, conversely, in sports psychology, we can use attitude to improve right. our physical performance. But... I think a lot of people draw the line at that point and then say, however, to use this mental or love-based law of attraction to affect events and circumstances outside the periphery of your physical body, now that's a bit much. And so is that a whole new level of understanding, do you think? Is, is, is that, or am I being rather arbitrary? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding uh, the difference between those two ideas. Um, I think that that one of the things that concerned me about the movie, the the, the secret, is that you know, one in one scene they show the woman looking lo- longingly at the diamond necklace in the in the window, and the next minute she's somebody's putting it on her, and and the implication is just by thinking pleasant thoughts, you can have this, you know. And yet, I think that uh, they missed the idea. Uh, they they didn't really clearly portray the idea that there's some action that has to happen between the longing for something and the manifestation of it. And uh, that's, I think, one of the pieces that needs to be more thoroughly examined in this idea of the law of attraction and how it works between people too. Let's talk about action. As I reintroduce you, my guest is Dr. Dennis Merritt-Jones. You may know him from the One Spirit Center in Simi Valley, 
uh, essentially a religious science church, right? Correct. It's the One Spirit mm-hmm. Center. Do you have a one, uh, one Spirit Center for Conscious Living? Is the full title? Yes. What's your website? One Spirit O N E S P I R I T dot org. Okay, because some folks might want to go yeah, there while they're listening to, to us. Check us out. And Dennis has a great new book called The Art of Being. It's been out uh, for a couple of years now, and uh, we're looking at uh, a new edition, I understand, coming up pretty soon. Very possible. Wish you the best of luck on that. And uh, we will take telephone calls a little later in the hour, probably after the 30 break. Uh, Dennis and I are both anxious to hear from you. There has been a significant amount of programming on this radio station uh, about The Secret, and I must tell you that the last two fundraising campaigns here at KPFK, the video was one of the hottest premiums Mm -hmm. that we had. And not only on these InterVision Aware Show strips here, but all kinds of uh, radio programming all around the clock at all different day parts, people were asking for the secret. Well, understandably, I mean, it, it, it hits home with so many people because uh, they present it in such a way that that people really get it that their thinking you know creates your experience and there's a great truth to that but they also make a point don't don't continue to focus on what you don't want to create in your life which is what a lot of people do and so the idea all of a sudden that we come across with this magic bullet all you got to do is change your thinking and you're going to change your life that's true, but but there's far it's far deeper than that. And Let's come back to that. Okay, because that's that old "Don't think of a purple cow" thing. Right. And of Precisely. It yeah. pops right into your head. Let's let's follow up on what you said about action. Okay. Because I think a lot of legitimate criticism has come from people who say, "What are you going to do? Just wish?" And there's that great old saw: if uh, if uh, uh, how does it go? If uh, Wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not wishing. No. This is a law, like gravity. Well, you know, the teacher Jesus says, it's done unto you as you believe. As he didn't say it's done unto you as you wish or hope. <laughs> as he believe. says, as you believe. So, and see, I think that that's the core piece that really was missing, uh, that could have been more fully developed. in Faith. In the secret. Faith, but, yeah, but belief. And, and if you examine the, the, the process of cause and effect, you realize that thoughts come from our beliefs. We have to have a, a core belief that then sponsors thoughts. And it's it's not about changing your thoughts as much as it is about changing your beliefs. In my study of metaphysics, one of the cornerstones, for me anyway, was an understanding that the nature of the Trinity that appears in all religions, we know it in Christianity, uh, in Judaism, we see it in Kabbalah, mm-hmm. We see it in Hinduism. and Even religious uh, science has a version of it. Indeed. The threeness of things has a correspondence in us, which is our mental, emotional, and physical physical nature. So let's look at the secret from each of these points of view. You've already talked about the thought, which I think of as sort of the targeting aspect of the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. What about the role of passion or um, oh, that's huge. expectation, enthusiasm, yeah. or the faith part. You say well, belief is mental, is faith emotional. Right. Yes, it is. And and it's it's not it's not thoughts that, that create our experience, it's the feelings behind the thoughts. A thought without feeling is nothing. It's the emotion behind the thought that drives it. 
And so when they teach, they talk about visualization and, and, and doing all these processes to, to think right thoughts, the, that's not enough. You have to bring the feeling nature into the thought. That's what brings it alive. Emotions. Well, we say in our romantic relationships, I'm attracted to you. So there's your law of attraction. It is love, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what, I guess the mind is the targeting aspect and then the heart is the, uh, the attractive aspect. Ernest Holmes, you know, he said it so beautifully. He said, love points the way and law makes it possible. Ah. You know, love is that, is, is that, that space be, be, between the head and the heart, of course, and law is that, that subjective, uh, subconscious mind, universal subjective that doesn't judge anything right or wrong good or bad it just knows one word and that is yes and so it's the it's the love the emotion the the feeling of something that is intangible that moves through the beliefs uh where it's turned into a feeling that creates the experience in theosophy they often talk about the thought being the energy and the emotional nature being the force behind yes, it th- yeah I, I totally agree with that. As if the thought is the voltage or the amperage, and then the voltage or the pressure right. is the passion. The thought the, really is where you want to go. The feeling is what gets you there. Yeah. Sometimes they say the thought's the steering wheel and the feeling is the pedals. Mm. Fear is the brake and <laughs> love's the accelerator. Yeah. I love the saying. Uh, I think Ernest Holmes said it. I'm not I, uh, really uh, – I don't remember where it came from. But the, the the idea of my consciousness goes before me to announce my coming. Oh. And what, to me, what that means is that my deepest held beliefs. Emerson said it another way. He said, "What you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear a word you say." <laughs> <laughs> so, so our beliefs precede us, and they, they, I mean, our lives are now picturing of that. And somebody, all they have to do is look at our lives, and they'll see what we believe. There's a lot of versions of that. I like what the self describes, describes the self, mm. which is sort of an adult version of it takes one to know one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really true. Uh, we're more transparent than we know, I'm afraid. And then the third part would be the action. Right. Action it has to be a part and that, of it. And that's where a lot of people go unconscious. I think so. You know, the idea that you have to be accountable for your life. And that you have to be willing to put, to put wheels on it. Uh, in science of mind, we do, we do this thing called affirmative prayer, which is called treatment. And the, the term is treat, 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 and move your feet. You know, there, not only do you pray, but there's an action that has to follow that. And that's where a lot of people fall short. They think all they have to do is think a positive thought or a pleasant thought, and poof, the, you know, the universe is going to plop it right down in your lap. You know, while you know God feeds the birds, He doesn't drop the worms down the bird's mouth well that's nice so we do have to take action one of the ways i've described this in my own life and in my teaching and i wonder how this works for you is that as we come to better understand and practice the so-called secret or the law of attraction uh energy follows thought whatever you want to call this principle of karma or or, or cause and effect is that the action step is imperative Absolutely. But maybe we need to think, or maybe we could think of the action less as the part that really makes it happen than a necessary preparing to receive that which is already on its way. Does that work for you? That the thought and the feeling creates it in another time and place, and now we're just 
It's like it's coming via FedEx. I know it'll be here. Now my action is to prepare yeah. to receive. And, and and I think that if you really believe in the thought that you've had, that you'll be led to take the right actions. Yeah, but but be willing to be shown. So if I next. want the ideal job, yeah. I'm going to visualize myself being on that job, getting paid fairly for the work I do. And then you're going to look in the want ads. That there you go. <laughs> and I was going to say shine my don't, shoes. Don't sit there and wait for the phone to ring. Right. You, ha- you have to, you know, it's kind of like if you want to win the lottery, you got to buy a ticket. I don't care how how prosperous you are in consciousness. If you don't buy a ticket, you're not going to win the lottery. There you go. So I got to I got to uh, revise my resume and shine my shoes and knock on a few doors, yep. but do it with a positive attitude. Right. Expectant. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah. You know, I'm reminded of an old book here, and there's so many. We could probably do dueling titles, again, because there are thousands of English-language books that have been written in the last hundred years mm-hmm. about these principles. But I'm, I'm thinking now of a book by Claude Bristol from the 40s called The Magic of Believing. Mm. And he, I think more than a lot of metaphysical books on this, talked about the importance of taking action that the mental and emotional preparation that seems to be the bulk of what The Secret talks about um, is just that. It's the initial stages, but then you have to go out into the world and and take action. There has to be some belief, some expectation, the magic of believing again. There it is. Well, inspired thought requires inspired action, too. You know, and, and I think that when you really believe in that which you're, uh, thinking about and what you want to demonstrate in your experience, you're more likely to be willing to take action in a proactive way rather than wait uh, until uh, nothing shows up and then start to act. Now, I want to touch on one more concept, then we'll take a break, and uh, I would love to take some telephone calls, too. So let me give the number now, 818-985-5735. 985-KPFK in the 818 818- Area Code Brooks, again, our producer, and you'll talk to her before you go on the radio. We're looking for questions about the secrets, and we're looking for tough questions, too, because, again, it's only by a critical examination. You don't have to stop being intelligent to, 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 understand, <laughs> to understand these principles. Quite the contrary. Uh, I think the reason this information has been secreted from the beginning of time is so that it won't be dumbed down, yes. like Larry King has done. You can have whatever you want, just wish. Yeah. News at 11. I mean, come on. There, That's yeah, there's exactly there, what we were terrified would happen. Yeah. And so it's begun to happen. But this idea that whether it's healing, in which case a neophyte, one just introduced to the secret, would perhaps assume, oh, so you're saying we cause our illness right. and you're all to blame for your cancer. Right. and you're un- Well, we do bear a certain responsibility, of course, but that's not blame. Let's talk about that. Or one that I've heard recently is, oh, so all those poor people in New Orleans just didn't pray hard enough right. to divert Katrina. Of course, I remember when Pat Robertson ran for president, he took credit for diverting a hurricane. <laughs> Personal credit. Didn't even pass it on to God, said he did it. Well, God helped him a little, I guess. Uh, 
And I'm sure you're hearing these saying, oh, yeah. these right. are legitimate sure. objections. Yeah. And how do we, how do we explain we, this? We have to be able to look at, at life from two levels of, of creation, one spiritually and the other materially. And I think that more important than asking, you know, or beating ourselves up because we create an unpleasant condition in our lives, uh, I think at the, at the level of the human experience, stuff happens. No explanation. I don't know, you know. And yet at the deepest, highest level of our spiritual nature, I think that spirit is always seeking to experience itself through and as its, its, its manifestation in a way that allows it to know all of itself. Spirit doesn't know up from down, right from wrong, in, in from out, good from bad. That's a tough concept. And yet at the human level, stuff happens. There's no explanation for it. And yet, Perhaps it's not really beating ourselves up with the question, why did I do this or why did I create this, so much as, okay, here's what's in front of me. What am I going to do with it? But even How in, am I going to respond to it? Exactly, and I want to talk more about that on the other side of the break. But even in India, where supposedly these concepts have been understood for so long, there is this gross misunderstanding among some people that, the lower classes, the untouchables, that's just their karma. Don't aid them, don't help them out, don't feed the poor, don't uplift them. That's their karma. They were bad people in another mm-hmm. lifetime. What's wrong with that understanding of karma or the secret? I think that that we we tend to put labels in everything. We rush to judgment and we call something bad because... You know, there but for the grace of God go I. And and uh, if we stop labeling something bad as opposed to something good and just step back and see life expressing itself, Ernest Holmes says God doesn't know its, itself any different from a bum in the gutter than somebody who's uh, manifesting the greatest uh, at, at every level. Meaning that's our job from our unique points of view? Sure, sure it is. I think if we just consider how absurd it would be if somebody fell down in front of me as I'm walking down and the say, sidewalk. say, what's in your consciousness? Yeah, yeah to say, I, well, forgive me, I'd, I'd help you, but I don't want to interfere with yeah. your karma. Well, that's where I think that's where compassion comes in. And you talk about the, the larger field of oneness. I think when we realize that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, people who really understand that there's only one of us here. You know, somebody said God does it all with mirrors. <laughs> there's only one of us here. At that level in compassion, Passion starts to work, and and that we we reach out to support others because we really realize that in doing so we're we're really supporting ourselves as well. Nicely said. Let's take a short break. My guest is Dr. Dennis Merritt Jones. You may know his book, The Art of Being. You may know the One Spirit Center in um, um, Simi Valley. Simi Valley, and uh, we're talking about the secret today. We're talking about what's right and what's wrong with the secret we'd like to hear from you 818-985-5735 985-KPFK and 818 and we'll be back after a short break Michael Benner this is Intervision on KPFK yeah that's what we're talking about with uh, Dennis Merritt Jones and uh, in many ways guys like Dennis and I who have spent our whole lifetime talking about human potential and personal and spiritual development, the laws of mind, mind science, the science of mind, metaphysics and and mysticism are at once, well, I'll speak for myself, at once thrilled 
and horrified by what's happening around the secret. And, of course, um, in the shaking out of it all, it's essentially a good thing. I think if we can engender a debate, then we can take the heat, we can answer the the criticism. But again, there's a reason that this information has been veiled and, and as the ancients used to say, whispered from lip to ear. And that to belong to a secret society, you had to make application. Yep. Not just anybody got in. Well, it's knowledge that, that uh, can be misused. You know, mal- Ernest Holmes referred to it as mal- malpractice, you know. Can I, can I quote something out of the Kabbalion? Please. It says, so, so that according to the teachings, the passage of this book to those uh, ready for the instruction will attract the attention of such as are prepared to receive the teaching. And likewise, when the pupil is ready to receive the truth, then will this little book come to him or her. Such is the law, the hermetic principle of cause and effect, in its aspect of the law of attraction, will bring lips and ear together, pupil and book and company. So mote it be. So mote it be. So when the student is ready, the teacher appears. When the planet is ready, the secret appears. Hmm. That's well said. And yet, I guess we're naive to expect that it wouldn't appear, as you said at the beginning of the program, in a form that a lot of people can recognize, which is, you can have a big car, you can have a big house, you can have stuff, you can have a trophy wife and diamonds and yeah. jewelry. And, and that's really not what... That's the entry level. I think what's enticing is that once you, once you reach all that stuff, and I think I think if you if you have a belief system that believes you can, you will. And yet... I think when we when we arrive at that point, we'll realize that it really wasn't about the stuff, and that there's a, there's something calling us deeper to a sense of wholeness that can't be experienced through stuff. It comes only through an awareness of our unity with God or the All. There's one other thing I'd like to talk about before we go to the calls. We've got a nice board full of callers anxious yeah. to talk to you, but we haven't even mentioned the so-called altered state. If you follow that chord to the end, you'll find a, uh, a volume control that'll raise your uh, your volume in the headphones. We haven't yet touched on altered states. The idea that when we become physically relaxed and the heart becomes calm and the mind becomes quiet, that this law of attraction becomes much more focused than in normal consciousness, where there may be eight or ten thoughts, all <laughs> some of them in opposition to each other, all attempting to attract a result. But what is special about meditation, visualization, deeply relaxing in reflective, introspective prayer? I think that in the... the to cut to the chase, what we, when we go into that state, we are unifying with source. We're, we're eliminating all the periphery. We're eliminating all the, the apparent things that divide us or cause us to feel separate from source. And in that state, we realize a sense of unity with that which is. And it's in that place where of absolute unity where receptivity is not being resisted or pushed against. The universe is always trying to put good in our lives, in our lap, and yet we're so non-receptive to it because our minds are, are looking elsewhere. So when we employ the law of attraction 
And we, we always are employing the law of attraction. Well, deliberately and <laughs> consciously in an altered state. Right. I hear what you're saying, and I'm glad you added that, because it's always at work. Yes. There's no thought. 24-7. Right. Okay, just like gravity. Right. All right. But when we apply ourselves in these focused states, and then the outcome that we're visualizing manifests, it's not always exactly what we wanted. Is that because when we get what we want, it often has unfolded within it what we need? Hmm. Sure. And sometimes what, what we need doesn't look like what we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. I mean, I think it was Pythagoras that said, never pray to God. God knows what you need. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't it funny that we get God and Santa Claus confused. I think so many of us are asking <laughs> God for what we want that maybe we could understand the secret in terms of entering a state of meditation or prayer where we ask God right. what it wants. Right. Well, you know, that's interesting. That's a good way to say it. Oftentimes we're, we say, like, God, this is Dennis talking. Just, I don't know what it is you want, but tell me what you want for me and I'll do it. Yeah. And all the time, God is sitting there thinking, Dennis, this is God t t talking. I don't know what you want. Just tell me what yeah. you want, and I'm going to give it to you. God, how can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Is it uh, Danny in Eagle Rock? You're on KPFK with my guest, Dr. Dennis Merritt-Jones. Hi, Danny. How you doing there? We're doing hey, great. Danny. What's your question, buddy? Did we lose him? Yeah, Eagle Rock fell away. We lost Danny. Okay. Let's get somebody else up here. We're talking about the secret today. In uh, Gardena, Trudy, you're on KPFK. Hi, Trudy. Nobody there either? No, no <laughs> um, there we go. Go ahead, Trudy. We got you now. Okay, great. Um, I, I did have some reservations about the secret. It, it seemed pretty simplistic, although generally I, I have an affinity for, for what is trying to be said. A couple of things that really bothered me was this idea, and I think you guys touched on it when you spoke about, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. Uh, we don't operate in isolation. Um, was this feeling sort of, um, if you ignore it, it will go away. If you don't um, sort of pay attention to it, it doesn't exist in your reality. And I just think, you know, I think of the civil rights movement and the Vietnam War protests and, and what I'm trying to teach my children about being good citizens and that we sometimes have to address the negative and kind of take the bull by the horns, so to speak, and, uh, you know, allow that to enter our reality. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you can avoid or, or deny the apparent what's in front of you, uh, but how we react to it or respond to it is, is the key element. Uh, you know, we can, we can take anything that's put in front of us and we can react, you know, from an, uh, a basis of fear, or mm -hmm. we can we can act in a proactive way by asking the question, what does this opportunity or this experience present to me that will allow me to uh, bring a greater sense of wholeness to it? Trudy, you got a little buzz on that line, so I'm going to let you go. But oh, okay, sorry about that. Thanks no, no, that's okay. Uh, I'm glad you revisited that question. Um, let's go to uh, – well, let me say this, because <clears> – <throat> This is such an important point. Again, I think so many uh, people that are new to this concept look at it, first of all, as, well, how did I attract the situation I'm in, rather than beginning with, well, wait a minute, what do I do with the situation I find myself in? Mm -hmm. And whether I created this somehow, or whether I contributed to it, I co-created it somehow, yeah. 
or whether I was blindsided. Maybe I am a total victim of destiny, fate, and providence. I am responsible for how I look at it and what I choose to do Precisely. with it. Precisely. We may not be at choice. You're absolutely right. At, at the material level, what shows up in front of us. But we're always at choice as how we perceive it. And how we perceive it is going to determine how we respond to yeah. it. That's why I like defining the word. You have to play with some of the letters, but responsibility the as... Ability to respond. Yeah, yeah. Or the ability to consciously choose... A response, as opposed to that knee-jerk reaction. Reaction, which is always driven by fear. Oh, yeah, sure, no question about it. Danny, are you back? Hey, yeah, I got cut off there for a second, it happens. Thanks for calling back. Must be some sort of satanic force, right? Probably, you attracted that. (laughs) I don't know if it was my fault, but that leads right into what I wanted to talk about. (laughs) Okay, first of all, i got to get some things straight with where I'm coming from, so you guys can understand my point. Um, I am a hippie Jew for Jesus. I am a Christian. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean I support George W. Bush. It doesn't mean it's up to me to judge the other religions. Well, I have no idea. People have their own religion, and that's their personal business. And I think as a Christian, I want to tell other Christians to be a Christian and shine and love Jesus Christ and accept him, accept his sacrifice that he gave for the world, but to shine. I think it's very important. But getting on to the secret I got real problems with it because, as you guys pointed out, you cannot always get what you want. And I know you tried to cover it, but I'll tell you, my band is about to break up because my drummer is so into this. He thinks he can just do anything. Uh-oh. And I try to tell him, look, dude, and he blames me for not running my life properly. But doesn't Christ say you reap what you sow? You do, and the power of positive thinking is true. But here's the deal. When you have a lot of negative energy because of television, Wall Street advertising, you have to be a warrior. Now, if you have enough faith, maybe you can move that mountain. But we are not God. Don't fly too close to the sun. You will get shot down. (laughs) Trust me on this one. What do you mean by we are not God? We are not God. There is but one God. You are not God, Michael. But we are in the image and likeness of. We're people. And we are in the image and likeness so of. So what? We're people. When, so Jesus, what? Died, when, Jesus, when Jesus died for so our I sins. I should dismiss that and ignore that important line in Genesis? I'm not dismissing it. What I'm saying is... Well, what does it mean that it we're means in we're the... like it. You know, I might be like Paul McCartney, but there is one Paul McCartney. Now, there is a spirit of Paul McCartney, granted. There is a spirit of Paul that, well, after he dies, he made beautiful music, and it's about peace. I don't know anybody who's metaphysically oriented who thinks they are God. Uh, well, people act like it. George Bush now is acting like it. Well, okay, mm-hmm. but I don't He's think those Christian are too, spiritual people. Well, who knows what he is? Who knows what he is? A tree is known by the fruit of Let's put this to the only Christian minister we got in the room and see what our Christian minister has to say about what you're saying. You didn't know Dr. Jones was a Christian. No, 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 no. I'm not judging him or, or that. I'm trying to make a point about people wow. thinking they're God. I, I don't know. Dr. You know... I, I, this isn't. A, this is about making a point about flying too close. If you're to the praying sun. to God or using the law of attraction, where where is that thinking that you are God? People act like God every day when they go out and they think they can do anything they want. You can pray to God and ask God to help you with your life, but you must be humble in that you're not always going to get what you want. Can't argue with that one, Dennis. And that's all. Well, I I, I want to be sure that we stand corrected that that I don't define myself as a Christian in the way that this gentleman does. I look to Jesus, as I said we were talking earlier, as, as the great example, not the great exception. And my goal is to live up to uh, the way he lived his life 
and to demonstrate uh, my awareness of my unity with God as he did. And I'm not judging you. The Holy Spirit can speak to people in different languages. I love Tommy, the rock opera Tommy, because Townsend talks about Tommy's deaf, dumb, and blind. How can he be saved? Well, the Holy Spirit can speak to people in the way the Holy Spirit speaks to people. But the point that I need to stress is that there is one Jesus Christ who rose from the dead and died for our sins for the world, and all religions are not the same. I am not a relativist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're straying it's off the cool, subject. But it does go off the subject. The no, no, it's to the point, because the secret... Well, it's to it's, your point, sir. No, it's to the point. Well, is, there, is there one son? Is there one Be nice. Michael? Be nice. Is there one son? Is Remember one? who you're speaking for on Good Friday. Be nice. <laughs> okay, Michael, I am being Thanks nice. Thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Is, is there one it does son? say you reap what you sow. <laughs> in the New Testament. And it is done unto you as Yeah, and you so each believe. of us need to have our own understanding of that. I think that's good, mm. and I appreciate that call. Let's go to Redlands and Ian. You're on KPFK on Intervision. Hi. Ian, Hello. go ahead. My question has to do with um, people who are maybe have anxiety or even mental disorders. Are they doomed? Are they always attracting the worst? I don't think at, our, at a spiritual level, spirit knows anything about anxiety or mental disorders. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that anybody is doomed. Uh, I think that, that we have to separate uh, ourselves spiritually and emotionally sometimes, uh, but always resolve to the higher truth of who we are. I'm not, I'm not certain uh, when you say, are we doomed, what, what you mean by that? Well, I just mean like someone who's got schizophrenia or, some sort of mental obsession, they're constantly thinking negative thoughts or repetitive thoughts, and they can't break the pattern. If the law of attraction is working for them, um, you know, it sounds to me like they're stuck. That's a very interesting uh, perspective. There's always an opportunity to learn. And again, the law of attraction, you know, it's like if you compare it to, let's say, another law like gravity, Mm -hmm. gravity doesn't work on one object at a time. Gravity isn't just keeping your car from floating out into space and then keeping something else Hmm. attracted to the planet. It's uniform. It's everywhere equally present. And so, uh, as Dennis said earlier, while there are altered states, prayer, meditation, visualization, where we can focus our attention and there put more spirit or energy into a single thought, Most of us, however sane or challenged we are mentally, have many thoughts in our heads, all of which are attracting, and some of those thoughts are in direct opposition to each other, contradiction to each other, Mm -hmm. striking other thoughts at very strange angles, and we're attracting all of that stuff. And what appears is the result of that in often surprising and remarkable ways. Who's to say that what we may see is developmentally challenged or mentally retarded or whatever isn't a blessing or, or the most wonderful gift. Yeah, that's right. How are we to know? You know, I live two doors down from a home of high-functioning uh, Down syndrome people, and there was a big challenge in the neighborhood to keep them out. Wow. And there was only two of us in the neighborhood that said, come on in, why not? Uh, and uh, what everybody found out that we sort of expected up front, the two of us that were in favor of this, is that these are uh, charming young people right. uh, for their Down syndrome 
in spite of their mental challenges, they were loving, they were kind, they were sweet, they were artistic, they were gentle, they were considerate, they were the best possible neighbors. I mean, better than most of our neighbors, mm-hmm. you know. So um, to find the blessing in adversity is always a challenge for mm-hmm. us. I think, Dennis, you want to I, I, I just think that's part of the human experience is to take what's put in front of us and and be willing to uh, ask the question, what what does this gift, as challenging as the word gift may be in some uh, uh, conditions, what does it bring for me, to me, uh, to learn from, to grow through it, to, to transcend, to realize that it doesn't have to define who I am? Indeed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Laguna Niguel. And, oh, you pulled that away just as a... <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Sarah in Laguna Niguel. Hi, you're on KPFK. Hi, gentlemen. How are you? Hey, Sarah. Better and better, thanks. Well, good. Well, my background is I studied with a mystic in the Catholic Church, and I've meditated, and that was going back about 20 years. And then since then, I've been a single mom. I've raised twins, and put myself back through school, got a B.A., and I'm presently getting my master's. And, you know, I, I was going to law school, and my son got hit, so I had to go out and work for another company. And I, I just, um, now I'm getting my master's, and I'm just, I'm looking for a good job. But if it's just, you know, I don't know, that and a good relationship. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's like, I feel like it's so close, but it's just like, I've been kicking here for 20 years now, and <laughs> the law of attraction, and... What do we look at when we feel frustrated like this? Uh, she, she's not alone, we all know oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think sometimes we try too hard. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a great uh, great law about do less and accomplish more. Sometimes we, we want something so badly that, that we get in our own way. Um, maybe, you know, wanting the right job or the right partner uh, is something if we, if, we, if we look at it in a way that it's not there. Of course, as they say in The Secret, you know, what you focus on, you give more power to. Rather than focusing on what you don't have, focus on what you do have. That, that you're grateful for. And maybe that's the place for the gratitude practices of every day be grateful for the, 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 the job that you do have. Be grateful for the idea that you're moving in a direction that is uh, going to uh, give you a sense of fuller life, knowing that you're drawing to you exactly the, the right relationship, the, ro- the right job, according to who you are. Yeah, there's a, it's so well, so important, so well said. There's that old, uh, I think it's Meister Eckhart that said uh, that if the only prayer you ever said was one of gratitude, that yes. would suffice. Yes. And somebody told me, no, that was Augustine. That goes way, yeah. way back. But gratitude is such an important power of, well, thanks for what I do have. And, and you know, I'll share with you, Sarah. Uh, are you still on the line? Yeah, now? sure am. Uh, a question that uh, counselors uh, often ask and I don't want you to answer this. I just want you to ponder it, um, which is what might you have to give up to mm. get what you want? Oh, Unconsciously, you may be holding on to something. The doctors, for example, talk about secondary gain. Right. Like people say they want to get well, and consciously they really do. But, gosh, what if there's benefits to being sick? Yeah. Then you're at cross-purposes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the great... I, I don't see any real benefit, 
I know you don't, but remember, you're 95% unconscious. Right. Me too. Right. And so what's boiling down there, uh, you know, like the part of the iceberg we don't see, uh, there's all that's, kinds that's of... That's really a good point. Maybe the question needs to be asked, you know, what do I need to let go of to make space for this? There you go. You well, there yeah. we go. You know what? With Easter coming, it'd be a great opportunity because Easter's all about release and transcendence and renewal and, and being willing to let go of, of that which is. You know... Uh, uh, Picasso said, before something new can be created, something old has to be destroyed. And, and maybe there's a place in your belief system that needs to be really, really released. Uh, well, how do go. I find out what that is? Well, you're going to have to tune in next week, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's a cliffhanger. Because I tell you, it's a cliffhanger We're now. We're all out of time. <laughs> Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, find a counselor who asks those kinds of questions. Well, gentlemen, it's so funny. I'm almost like eight months ago, I was walking on the beach, and I found a rock, and I, it's, I call it my gratitude rock, there and then go. I saw that secret, and I thought, oh, my God, I've been doing it. <laughs> Power objects it are up. good. Thanks. Yeah. Nice talking to you. Well, we're almost out of time, so let's uh, put the ribbons on this, although we've really scratched the surface again. I feel so excited to be in a time, finally, after, again, personally dedicating 35 years of my life to this, where I see it becoming extant. But at the same time, it's frightening, because it's so easily dismissed by those who have legitimate criticism, and that's why I wanted you to be here today to hear from both supporters and critics. Which is why I wrote the essay that you responded to, and I'd like to invite people, if they want to email me, uh, they can. I'll be happy to email them this essay. On What's the your secret. email address and your uh, personal website? Yeah, the best too. website, the best email is just contact me through my personal website, which is dennismeritjones.com, D-E-N-N-I-S-M-E-R-R-I-T-T-J-O-N-E-S.com. You can order my books through that as well as I'll send you the uh, the essay on The Secret. Just email me and, and request it, my gift to you. Okay. I remember Merritt with two R's and two T's. Correct. So DennisMerrittJones.com. Correct. And you can get the uh, email there and yeah. find out more about One yeah. Spirit Center. And for and those who are local, join us uh, Sunday morning, Easter Sunday at 10 a.m. for our great services. We're going to have a powerful morning. That's my lifestyle. No sunrise service for me. I'll be there <laughs> 10 at 10 a.m. Thank you, Dennis. My honor. Hey, thanks to uh, D'Angelo, as always, for engineering, to Brooks, my producer, Doreen Key, my wife, for all her help. And uh, all of my other helpers, Kurt Wyman and Craig Duncan and Roy Batchelor, and can't do it without you. I want to thank you for listening and for calling. Wish you the happiest of Easter's, Good Friday and Easter and uh, Spring Equinox. And uh, hope you'll join us every Friday at 1 o'clock for InterVision on KPFK. As always, be gentle of life and take care of each other. This is Michael Butler. At the door.